You know what's better than a tripod? A quad pod. Isn't that just a table? Wrong. It's a quad pod. Talking sports, pop culture, food, and, uh, more sports. Unofficially brought to you by KSRO and North Bay Biz Magazine. It's the quad pod with Jeff Woodworth, Mike DeWald, Luke Straub, and Frank Sumrall. So the face mask, dude. Face masks are officially in order. They need to be done. Do you have your face? You don't have a face mask on. I got it with me, though. It's sent on my desk. Next to me. Yours is where? Mine is next to me. That's exactly what is where, that? it, where it needs to be. <laughs> what, what is that? It's Shark's bandana. Oh, it's a bandana. Yeah. Okay. You guys are rocking the bandana look. Okay. Yeah, well, it's just said facial covering. So the liberal state gave us the liberal direction of <laughs> you don't need an actual <laughs> mask covering. You just need something to... To cover up your face and make sure you're, you know you don't breathe on people like that, so we'll we'll see how it goes, uh, gentlemen. How's it going? Where? What do you mean? Oh yeah, who? What? When? Where are they? Point them out. Stop them. So uh, Frank Summerall. Howdy. Mike Dewald. Hello. And my name is Jeff Woodworth. Luke Straub said he was coming back. Crickets. And, and lied. And lied. Thanks, Luke. How you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're hanging. I'm hanging in there. It's good to hear. How about you? What about you, Dewald? I think I hit a low today. Why? Uh-oh. So I told you earlier in the week how on like ESPN five or whatever it was, they're the playing Cinco. this uh, this FIFA stay at home tournament. Mm-hmm. Which fine, whatever. Uh, today, I guess they had some tech problems with one of the games, so I was literally watching four ESPN personalities fill time while they fixed a video game tournament that couldn't go on i was it, li- it was just like why am i lag bro did, what's going lag. on did you guys participate in the disney uh sing-along i did not oh. i did not okay I bummer. Things of that sort. you know what's also really annoying i don't know if i mentioned this last week but i'm gonna mention it again this week my neighbors oh, okay to do this thing where at eight o'clock every night they go out and howl yeah that's the thing and it's it's super annoying because it, uh, it gets the dogs are rattled it gets the dogs are you in the Facebook group no I, I hear there's a Facebook group cancel for it. it cancel it I'm done with it I'm over it all right and the the clapping thing at seven o'clock is okay they do that in bigger cities you know more metropolis focal or uh, centered places but the the, the howling at eight o'clock, and it goes on for like five minutes too, where it's just like it does. It's the longest five minutes of my day. Did you um, see the video like way back when this was beginning to be the pandemic in Italy when they're all singing at night? Oh, and then so and then everybody started taking that video and dubbing it with random songs now on the internet. I well, think, I like think it was like that. a cool moment. They're singing, people are shooting the video at night, and mm-hmm. then our version is just twenty-year-old <laughs> guys howling into yeah. the night. <laughs> Just please stop, please stop. You're, you're you're making me very uncomfortable, and I don't like it at all. So, does anybody in your respective neighborhoods do that or no? Yeah, no, yeah. no, I don't have him. You got some howlers. Yeah. My uh, my dog has joined in. He's oh. very confused by the whole thing. He's like, "Oh, what are we doing?" But he loves it. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for this. Okay, uh, Frankie, baby, what do we got on today's show? Well, first we're going to talk about the day in the sports apocalypse. Mm-hmm. which is day number 37. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk uh, some what-if scenarios because sports is put on pause. We're going to talk about alternate universes, alternate dimensions in sports. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about one of the most underrated actors of our time, mm. the Bateman. Mm. Jason we're gonna, Bateman. We're going to be debating 
Bateman. We're going to talk about how his iconic roles. Whoa. Okay. I'll, I, I can can't dig. wait for that. I can dig that. He needs his spotlight. So it's day 37 of the sports apocalypse. What do we have for number 37 in sports? What do we want to honor that day for? I'll start off first. Ron Artest. Why? I don't know. Actually, I think he was Meta World Peace. I was going to ask which version. I think he was Meta World Peace at the time, but I do remember. I don't remember what last name was on his back, but I do remember he was wearing number 37 when he saved Kobe Bryant's legacy in the NBA Finals and uh, showed up in Game 7. He was rocking the number 37 on his jersey. So Ron Artest. Was that his normal jersey number? Meta World Peace. He wore 15 and 37. So those were the two. I was going to say, I think he might have switched to 37 when he became Meta. Uh, unless he switched back, I don't remember. Also, fun fact about Ron Artest: at one point when he was playing in Indiana, he had more. He had three times as many dogs living in his house as he did people. So <laughs> he loves dogs. He's like really, really adamant about them. He's got a dog farm back in Indiana. So, oh, wow. interesting right. guy. There you go. Um, thirty-seven points in a quarter. Clay Thompson. Yeah, oh, got yeah. on that. Got Man on crush. That. My um, in a blowout win against Sacramento in January, bye, he bye. Uh, achieved. What, and like they, they they counted the dribbles, right? It was like eight dribbles. Yeah, he, I think I do remember that now. Yeah, he he was another one. Right? Three times as many points as he did as did dribbles. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Wow. Anyway, um, we lo- we all love Clay here. Clay's great. So I, I love him more than you guys do, but not a big deal. That is <laughs> fine. That is fine. But he's uh, everyone's favorite warrior. Me and him would be best friends. Not a big deal. Uh, we'd take our dogs out and hang out, and you know, read and the then paper together. They howl and shoot hoops. Clay yeah. howls, yeah, and right. then we'd be sitting there. We'd be sitting there fireside trying to enjoy the East Bay Times, and Rocco and D would be out there just howling away at 8 o'clock, joining in with everybody as they salute the heroes. And oh, so you would move in with him? Oh, 100%. That, okay, that, he's dude, not moving in with you. Dude's house is big enough to accommodate two more bodies, all right? Well, okay. one and a half if you want to count the dog, but yeah. Me and Clay would be the three best, or no, two best friends that anybody <laughs> could have. All right, Dewald, what's your, what's your 37? I... Is it Logan Couture's number? 39. Oh, so close. Come on. My bad. Uh, I I like to go to jersey numbers first. And so I started with with Giants history of number 37, (laughs) and it is grim. (laughs) If you want a short career on the Giants, you pick number 37. Undefeated. Never lost. Such great names as Kelby Tomlinson. Love them. Jack Tashner. Of course. Adam Duvall. Pat Mish. Dan Runsler. Todd Wellmeyer. This is all within the past, like, five years. They all just... Just thirty-seven is so, your, your I think like standard number. Players come in to the Giants with a number in mind, and it's taken or it's retired, and they're like, "Here's thirty-seven. So I don't want to wear eighty-six, so I guess I'll take thirty-seven. No, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you know your high school jerseys, how they, they the the team only had so many, and depending on your size, this is the number you get yeah. assigned. So, oh, you fit a medium to a uh, to, <laughs> to just under a you you have a child's frame. Okay, you get thirty-seven. Oh, you're a little bit bulkier. Here you go. Here's forty-four. Or no, you can't be 44. That's McCovey. Excuse me. Here's 46. There are a random number out 46. there. 46. Yeah, 46. So that's an ugly jersey 67. number. 67. <laughs> there you go. We'll give you 60, 67. Yeah. The great Merkin Valdez. Oh. So that's that's, that's the 37 that's that comes to mind? That's, that's the 37 that okay. comes to mind. Like, what's, the, what's the longest like, tenure yeah, with that number? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Looks like... Uh, the great Kelly Downs back in the 80s. Oh. Yeah, good for him. I would have no said Tomlinson, Tomlinson would have been a good second uh, choice. They're, they're I think close. he was up there for they're close. between I, his stints. I think he's had, what, three stints for a combined like, year and a half? That's so true. He's getting up there. Getting some, getting some quality. Oh, Drew Pomerantz. Hey. Uh, all right, so all you future um, San Francisco Giants don't wear number 37. Don't exactly. wear 37. That's You're a welcome. curse. You don't want 37, yeah. <laughs> 
What if? That is the question we were asking. What if trades had happened or didn't happen, right? There was a report that came out not too long ago from Ethan Strauss in his new book that said that the Warriors were moments away from trading Klay Thompson and Steph Curry for Chris Paul. But Chris Paul said that he would not sign a extension in the Bay Area, and they ended up, and Chris Paul ended up getting traded for two other scrubs instead. Uh, I can only say this much. Thank you, Chris Paul. Thank you, because it's been fun to watch Steph and Clay win so many championships and watch them cross you up and make you look like a fool in the process. I think you've only sniffed the Western Conference Finals once, so thank okay. you very much. That is a what if that I can only imagine about how how bad the Warriors would be right now because you trade away your centerpieces, the Splash Brothers. They go off to, where was he, in New Orleans at the time? Yeah. So all of a sudden, maybe, maybe that's good for New Orleans because they're more likely to be... More likely to be successful. I don't know. Maybe Steph's closer to home, so he's more likely to stay. I'm not 100% sure. But it's luckily that there was the genius minds of the Warriors that decided not to. I think this is one of those things where they almost tried to outthink the room. And then, you know, what? They exploded a season or two after that. And then you get to you, you look at it and just been like, whoa, we've been foolish to trade these guys. How would New Orleans have done? What do you mean? With the Splash Brothers. Uh, I don't think they would have done that well, to be completely honest. I think that this, well. Would they be a... They would be a playoff team. Because who did you have? Well, that would have been interesting. You had an aging David West. You had an aging... No, you had a young David West in New Orleans. It was aging when he came over to the Warriors. So you actually would have had that incarnation you, well, of the Warriors. He, would, he left to the Pacers, and it was like after his All-Star years, but he was still like a starter. So you a had David serv- West. A serviceable West. big man, for yeah. sure, 100% in the NBA. So I'm happy about that one. The other one that comes to mind is what if Charlotte never traded Kobe? Do we have the Lakers dynasty again, or is Kobe taking over in Charlotte, right? Like, is, is that where he cements his legacy? Because you remember, Kobe also had to sit on the bench for, I think, two years behind, uh, was it Eddie Jones? I think it was Eddie Jones. That, that name sounds familiar. And We like Eddie Jones. And it, and it, and it makes sense. So, But that, that's one of those things where if maybe if he starts right away, he, I don't know, he doesn't fold under pressure, but maybe he doesn't have the career that he does right away, or he, he doesn't pick up certain things from certain big men, or he's not he's – not, as uh, the the stars and, and legends aren't as accessible because he's not in L.A. Shaq, I think, still goes to L.A. Yeah, because he was out of Orlando, and he would later regret that. But I think he, I think at that time he was out. Mm-hmm. So who would that? Who Shaq, would they have credit, to pair credit him? Credit Shaq though for always finding a guard to play with. Right? He had he had Penny Hardaway. He then who went was and, um, God, I'm blanking. He he gave all three guards he played with the children of the Godfather. What do you mean? So it's Michael, Sonny, and who's the who's the who's the fuck up in the Godfather? Um, Mike, Fredo. Fredo. Okay. Uh, Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway's Fredo. And but but then you have Kobe, Sonny, and then you have D Wade. Michael. I was just yeah. So and then I mean you could argue that even he had he had success with Steve Nash. It's not like they necessarily. I mean they didn't win championships, but they they played well together. Yeah, that was that was the. But he's had. But I'm saying Shaq did a well, a very good job I mean, of, of pairing even Boston, himself. He had Rondo. Well, there you go. He's always found a guard to play himself, yeah. compliment himself with. If that's but, the worst guard in your career, that's that's pretty damn good. Pretty darn good, especially when you get playoff Rondo. But all right, so what do you what do you have for trade? Speaking trades? of Boston, mm-hmm. uh, it's not trade act. Well, it is. It's a it's a trade. If it didn't happen, uh, big Chauncey Billups guy. Mm. He's he's my biggest snub from the NBA Hall of Fame. He was drafted to Boston. He was traded in 50 games. Mm-hmm. In his rookie year, he was traded. 
then that year they drafted Paul Pierce. So you, if they didn't trade Billups, mm-hmm. you have Billups, Paul Pierce, and you have Antoine Walker. Mm-hmm. You would have that big three. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, real quick. The only bummer, because I was looking at the stats, Billups takes off in 2004, and Antoine Walker begins to fall off in 2004. But Antoine Walker would be the third piece. If they were patient, how good would that Boston team be in the early 2000s when the Eastern Conference had the Pistons for two years in the finals, which they wouldn't exist without Billups, the Miami Heat, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then later the big three in Boston? Would they be a finals team would in the East? Bo- would it Boston, though? But I feel like that would have changed the course for Boston to where would Boston have even gotten the pieces before the initial big they three? They wouldn't yet? have KG, Ray Allen. Exactly. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't get those would- guys. The, that would this big three of Billups, Paul Pierce, and Antoine Walker be a Finals team? Basically, what you're asking is Boston fans. If you're a Celtics fan, would you take the one championship that you got out of your big three? What from 08, mm-hmm. or would you have rather risked a possible chance at maybe two or three a dynasty of your own in the middle of the decade? If you had gotten your hand, if you had kept Billups and gotten your hand, got your hands on Paul Pierce and, and Antoine Walker, who says that Antoine Walker falls off? He's at a that twenty point. point he's a twenty point scorer anyway. Yeah. I mean, that was the weak time in the East. I mean, yes, the Miami Heat won. God bless them. That's my team and that's my guy. The Cleveland Cavaliers got there. You had the Jet, uh, the Nets going mm-hmm. to the finals with Jason Kidd. Like, mm-hmm. I think if Boston had their had their shit together. Well, cause, yeah, the, and it, Billups it, is a straight-up winner. The East was a revolving door at that time. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think it would be a really weird early 2000s dynasty. I don't know if they ever win a title, but I think they would go to the finals multiple times. Some Lakers, Celtics... Uh, clashing there in the, in the turn of the century. Any other trades for you, Frank? Yeah, yeah, I got one more. Um, this came out in the news a little bit ago. If the Knicks drafted Steph Curry, which was the rumor, if the Knicks took him um, and he didn't go to the Warriors, who he didn't want to go to originally, what would happen to the New York Knicks? Because obviously the Warriors wouldn't happen. Clay Thompson could still be there. And they would be serviceable. But Melo, I think, would still go to the Knicks. He was determined to go there, and he was determined to go there for non-basketball reasons. Mm-hmm. So you would have Melo, and you would have Curry. Curry's injured his third year. In his fourth year, that's the year Melo wins the scoring title. So you would have Curry right before he's an all-star in like the last great Melo year. They would be a perennial playoff team. I don't know if they ever break through the East. And everyone would be worried if James Dolan would forever ruin Steph Curry by bringing him in before his injuries are healed and not playing it safe like the Warriors do. Well, that's one thing that has to be accounted for is the just the overall intelligence that's being displayed in San Francisco, well, Oakland and now San Francisco compared to what's being demonstrated in New York. But you would have D'Antoni as a coach for a little bit with Steph Curry? I, don't I think, think, I don't think, I think Steph Curry would be a Knicks great. I don't think he's a product of the Warriors. But I, I don't know if they ever break through. I think that the specific combination and this is no this is no knock on Steph's greatness because I think it's like the same thing that happens when you when you find a perfect fit. Like Steph, looking back on it and granted it's gonna be easy to say this because he's he hasn't played anywhere else, but I, I truly think it was the perfect fit for him to land in the Bay Area. So I'm not even Oh it's a perfect fit for I'm sure. not even hundred percent sure that he Maybe maybe he still changes the game, but I don't think he revolutionizes it as fast as he did or no. like he did in in because you have to State. win to revolutionize. You something. had some serious talent there with Clay, 
Dre, you had KD coming over too. You had everybody on the bench doing their role play. Like, look at the Knicks now and just how they've been managing themselves. You gonna put Steph Curry out there with Carmelo and a bunch of and a bunch of power forwards? You know, it's like yeah. I mean, you get um, you'll get Amari. He was an All Star for the Knicks one time. One time and he got he got beat up. Mm-hmm. Well, but if you had Curry, and you had Melo, and they're making the playoffs in the East, which isn't fat unfathomable. That 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 sounds right. You know, even if it's like a fifth seed. Would other free agents be interested in going there? And I don't know who else. Probably, but I don't think you're getting to the point where this is a championship contender. I think it's a team that's always going to be on the bottom, the bottom half of the playoff bracket. They'll they'll be in the playoffs, but they're always going to be one of those six, seven, or eight teams where you just kind of look at them and be like, "Is this?" They'd be like a Memphis Grizzlies. Like they'd be a tough out. In the one first conference round, finals appearance. And that's it. Tough if playoff they, out. If they even got there, if they even got that, would far. they move off Melo? quicker would he work with Steph Curry I mean at that point you'd be paying Melo more so no you'd stick with the New York guy and then you'd move the guy because it's from still Charlie. like the good years of Melo yeah. but then that playoff run ends quickly and then it just becomes a nightmare <laughs> does, like I said it doesn't matter because the Knicks stupid the T-Wolves stupid how are those T-Wolves are stupid how are those, that's what you could say is what if the T-Wolves took Curry huh all right Mike. well I think you'd rot like KG well that's not even a trade yeah um What's a trade that you look back on in sports and you think, mm, what if that didn't happen? Or a trade that you think that, that like might have happened but got called off at the last minute? I was uh, I took this opportunity to make it my talking hockey this week. Yeah! <laughs> you have uh, two minutes. Let's go. <laughs> I, I looked more uh, actually with free agent signings with the Sharks because they were Close always, enough. always, always uh, rumored with these big names that got huge years, huge dollars. And in hindsight, it always worked that they didn't end up landing them because it would have killed their cap space and they would have no room for anything else until last year uh they finally uh broke the piggy bank on eric, eric, eric carlson oh okay uh, just unloaded cash on him eight years and who knows how many millions of dollars and it killed them and it was uh i i had they not re-signed him they they would have kept all all the scorers on their roster Completely different team, and I don't think they would have been in the cellar this year. So, what about Vander Kane? Wasn't that a big contract at the time that when they signed him? Still a big contract. <laughs> yeah, a big contract. They, they have what, how many uh, guys are typically on your hockey team? You have about 25, 26, right? It's they like have a, it's like a, seven guys making. That's what I'm saying. Uh, they, yeah, hundred million dollars. A top like heavy. A top heavy. They they yeah. adopted. What's the, the salary cap? I think it's eighty-two million. Oh Ooh. my god! Oh yeah. my god! And you have guys in there that are what make it like? Uh, what is what does Ovechkin make a year in the league? Is that like the highest? I want to know what your highest rated player or highest paid player per year is. It's not going to be. It's not as high as you would think. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking it's somewhere around like fifteen million dollars. Fifteen mil probably for your star player. I think you're about right. I say fifteen for your star, and then everybody else is ten or under. And then you got a bunch of guys on there that are playing for like one, two million dollar contracts. It's Six, not uh, sixteen million is highest play, highest paid player. And who year. is it? Can I take it's, a guess? Is he in the east or the west? He's in the east. And it is Sidney Crosby. No. Oh. Who is it? It's Austin Matthews. Oh, I would have never guessed. That. <laughs> I would have never guessed Austin Matthews. He's a young gun. How so. how low is Ovechkin on that list? Pretty low, apparently. Look he's at this. Not man. even you in start the top talking ten. Finances. We can start talking hockey. This is weird how you would construct a team like that, like $82 million. That's wild. He's number 20. He's uh, making $10 million a year. Oh, Ovechkin. They got him on a discount. Jeez. A champion. Did he discount. sign like a really long contract long ago? And that was like a lot for the time, and now everyone's passing. Remember him. the Kovlachuk deal? The uh, the yeah. one where he was, what was that, 11 years for mm-hmm. $77 million or something like that? So that would have come out to about, that was only, that was a huge deal, but it was only going to be like $8 million that a year. That was the one like the that. league 
canceled, I think. Really? I thought he re- I thought he reneged on it and was like, I'm going back to the KHL. No, they... Uh, <laughs> it's in Russia, I swear to God. They tried, no, I've heard of it. Yeah. They tried to sign him to like a 15-year deal, and... It was it was they structured it weird so like the first ten years of the contract he got paid like minimum salary and then they were just and gonna backload then it they were gonna backload it's it like to the these hockey years. equivalent of Bobby Bonilla it, yeah these, but he would never get paid for it so yeah. they're like yeah, yeah, yeah get out of here with that yeah nice try nice try okay so none of it was guaranteed money is what right. you're saying it was all and then by that point they'd just bank on him being too old would have to been play sixty three years old ah nice very smart by the Devils very smart <laughs> too bad the the league caught onto that yeah. <laughs> All right, so I don't know what really brought this or what inspired it yesterday, but I was on the interwebs and I was and I was doing something, and it just it just hit me over the head like like something. I was like, "What, Jason Bateman? You are taking over the world right now." But where did he get his start? Right, a lot of people want to be like, "Oh, dude, Jason Bateman arrested development, or he did this as a child." I'd like, "No, stop." All right. This was the moment where I decided to, to freeze Twitter, and I had some people chiming in with me. We need to recognize the fact that Jason Bateman's career took off after his performance as Pepper Brooks in Dodgeball. And if you don't Iconic remember... Iconic performance. If you don't remember who he was, which, shame on you, you're not a real Dodgeball fan, he was the other commentator. The ouch town, population you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> or that's a bold strategy caught and let's see if it works out for him like you just you oh, got yeah, stuff one. like that that was amazing with Bateman and he just he, he did a very good job in that movie it wasn't it wasn't a huge role but it's one of those roles where it, like it brings it together you know what i'm saying and like what i i will i will hijack this opportunity as a chance to appreciate dodgeball because the cast was absolutely ridiculous with everybody that they had in there rip torn rest in peace and vince vaughn ben stiller ben stiller's wife you had um Justin Long, you had appearances from Hasselhoff and um, Chuck Norris, and just to name a few, right? Like, I can't even begin to go on with how, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I love the movie so much. What do you, do you, Hank Azaria is in it well, too. The, how, how could you forget Old Patches, you know? Did the casting director, when they when they brought on Bateman for that role, did they know yeah, in that's a, a decade's question. time, they're like, oh, this guy's going to win a Best Director Emmy? That's a great question. Like, this is a guy who has huge huge aspirations and i'm going to bring him in just to play this one little side side role gary cole as as cotton did a good job too gary cole's been in a couple of other movies as well so but i uh when did when did dodgeball come out 2004 so oh yeah that's baby bateman arrested development started in 2003 so that's you know right around it was right around the same time my argument that i was ready for if anybody came at me on twitter about was that arrested development had only been out one season so you can't Who act like it was. It was cared about thing. Arrested Development when it was out, though. That's like a good don't question. get me wrong. I love the show. It's it was a great. great. Show, but I feel like it's a whole... show like The Office where it gets hyped after the fact that it's done, right? Well, yeah. The Office's following came when it became a streaming show. Yes. On Netflix, and then everybody started watching it. I don't remember Arrested Development being. But Arrested popular. Development's also on Netflix too. But that's when it got popular. Yeah. Even though it's got like a you know a niche audience, but yeah. Um, I I enjoy I thoroughly enjoyed it though. So oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, Mike's got to get the door. Somebody's knocking on the door. Oh, that person doesn't look happy. He's gonna say, "Who is he grabbing?" Anyway, Arrested Development. Great show. We just gotta be careful, just in case Mike gets stabbed while he's out there. Yeah. Yeah, we should be careful. Ooh, somebody dropped off. It's just a listener dropping off a bag of goodies. Uh, thank you. 
We got cookies from a listener today. It was kind of dope. Uh, Pat gave me one. But I told Daniel, I was like, you need to eat this, and I'm going to wait an hour. And if you're still breathing, I will have the cookie because you, you just can't you just can't trust those people that, that, that form, form that bond with the radio like that. Love them, but uh, <laughs> a little weird. But, yeah, any other uh, Bateman stuff. So, like, when he's when he's going on in Ozark, and it's so funny because I'm watching him money launder, and it's like one of those guys where, like, yeah, I can I have no problem differentiating – guys in their roles but if i recognize you i recognize you and just sometimes he gives certain looks did you know he was directing that show yes i didn't know that until i saw the credits i didn't realize that he was doing everything that he was with the outsider either but that's something that i just found out that he's doing how was that experience this entire episode has been me getting deliveries real though it's the whole episode has just been people like mike's just been he didn't look happy for the delivery yeah did he was he happy kind of threw his arms up i was like yeah he was out there a while i couldn't hear him Take your stuff. Here you go. Get out of here. Uh, um, these, uh, when, thanks for everything. When did Ozark click for you? What do you mean? The first first season was when I watched it. I'm and I was two like, episodes All right, this in. Is, you're only two se- episodes into the first season? I'm not into it. Really? Give it's it a, it's a well-made show. By the end it's of well-acted. By the end of the first season, you'll be you'll be in it. You'll be I good just, to go. I'm waiting for it to cipher off of Breaking Bad. But it's this is, too much like Breaking Bad. But this is what I'm saying is that when Bateman will give certain looks in that show where he looks and I'm just like, that is Pepper Brooks, dude. Like, you can't tell me any different. Like, that is still the same guy. But I'm understanding that it's There's a lot of acting with the eyes. He does. He's a very, very good actor. But I'm telling you, give it by the end of season one, you'll be, you'll be, you'll like it. And then by the end of season two, you'll be like, I need season three. And then by the time season three's done, that's where you're going to be like, damn, I probably got to wait another year for another uh, season. Does it get away from the Breaking Bad formula? I mean... Yeah, but it's he's a money launderer. So that's the that's the premise of the show. He's just he's not cooking meth on the side. Is that he's not right, but it's the same idea, just different no, job. But there's no drugs involved. It's just a different there's, job, but it's the same idea. There's no drugs so involved. Suburban, so it's a different operation. Middle you know, you know, suburban dad and in this horrible business. But except he's not a cook, he's he's doing the accounting. And it seems like everybody that he teams up with ends up wanting him dead, you know? So it's just like... And then, so I'm only two episodes in, so it's not a major spoiler, but when he's trying to retrieve said money that he lost, uh-huh. it was the most Breaking Bad scene I've ever seen. Oh, well, where, they total, go, where they go to the boat? Yeah. Well, when he travels the boat to the island and then goes into the bathroom where oh, all the yeah, family yeah. is. And he's like talking them down from it and persuading them. I'm like, this is straight Walter White. That's exactly well, what he would have done. I mean, it's one of those instances where it's just, you know, the, the smart city slicker is able to talk down to the country folk and get them to second guess what they're doing, you know? And it's just I, like, I didn't like half the characters that, that were first introduced. Yeah. I, I hated all of them, majority of them. And then by season three, I'm, I've actually grown to like physically, atta- not physically, but metaphorically attached to these these characters as we progress to the point now where like when people die i don't get upset i'm just like oh snap like one of my favorite characters got killed off in season three that's the biggest spoiler i'll give you towards the end of season three gets killed off and they were just one that just the presence that they brought to each each scene regardless if bateman was in there or not uh was something that would that just made the show all that much better for me uh dewalt any other what were your favorite Bateman performances. In, in case you need like, some help remembering what he was in, Horrible Bosses. I liked Horrible Bosses. That one was good. Zootopia. Yeah, he did the voice for that. That's actually pretty good for a Disney cartoon. Juno. Oh, big Juno guy. Uh-huh. His twist in that movie was great. I, I Identity Juno. Thief. That was the one with um, Melissa McCarthy. It's the one where she steals his identity and he's, he's chasing after her. 
What I like about Jason Bateman movies is a lot of times going in, you don't know they're Jason Bateman movies. Like, oh, Jason Bateman's well, yeah, in he's always He's always supporting the, <laughs> yeah, most exactly. of the time. But then his supporting roles usually kind of like take over. Exactly. Right? Like, and then who could forget his, you know, Horrible Bosses 2. That was a good I movie. I didn't see the second one. Uh, I saw the first one, though. It's a good movie. Um, I recommend it. You know, what's also great about Juno, because they had Bateman in a small role. They had J.K. Simmons in a small role. And I just watched Whiplash last night. I like J.K. Simmons. Yeah. He's good. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's got a small role in that, and he crushes it. Uh, what about Office Christmas Party? That was a good movie with uh, T.J. Um, I forget the dude's – I forget his last name, the comedian, and, and Jennifer T. Aniston. T.J. Miller. T.J. Miller, yes. Oh, fun fact. He's, like, best friends with Jennifer Aniston. They Who? do, like, six movies together. T.J. Miller? No, um, Bateman. Oh, Bateman, Bateman is his best. This is the Bateman segment. I thought Miller you brought segment. it up. To, hey, T.J. Miller was was good friends with her, but like, okay, my bad. I'm trying to think. What else is he in? Yeah, he was in Up in the Air. If you saw that? Uh, no, I didn't. The see George that Clooney one. drama. Okay, but it makes sense that they'd be in Horrible Bosses together. She wasn't in Dodgeball. Was she in Couples Retreat? Yeah. Was she? Mm-hmm. I thought she was in. Um, what's the movie with Adam Sandler and uh, and Nicole Kidman? Dan Patrick's in it. No idea. Ah, no, that might, no, that's not horrible losses. All right. But yeah, so I'm just saying Bateman's career. We're all, we're all hopping on the wagon right now, Uh, but you got to crawl before you ball. He was in a, he was crawling. He was in a Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston movie called the breakup. And that movie walked. So marriage story could run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. he was also in forgetting Sarah Marshall. Wasn't he in Hancock? Yep. Yeah. I hate Hancock. Dude, he is in a bunch of I also like don't like Will Smith. Really? I'll take Jason Bateman over Will Smith wow, any day. that's a hot take. That's my hot take of the day. It's not a sports take, but that's where we are on day 37, the I'm sports apocalypse. I'm trying to think if there's anything, if there's a, I'm looking right here to see if there's a sneaky Bateman movie that we've missed. Mr. McGorium's Wonder Emporium? Oh, <laughs> you know. It sounds like there. a classic. Damn. <laughs> hey, we're not saying he's the greatest uh, picker of movies, but, you know, he'll crush whatever role is handed to him, whether it's the Ocho. Or Ozark. <laughs> is he in Ozark? He's the lead. Oh. It's his show. Mike. And he directs it. Mike. I know. Mike. <laughs> I'll see myself out. What? Huh? What? Huh? Even though I've been Are told, <laughs> I, I, I've been told though, to stop watching Ozark and to start watching Barry. I've heard Barry's a good show. Yeah. Barry's the one with. Um, so I'm going right, to keep giving right. Ozark a chance, but. Who's the guy? He voiced uh, Bill Planners. Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader. He plan- voiced the, uh, the Planners Nuts there for a second. All right. Oh man. So that was uh that was a, a riveting Justin Bateman. Just had to show appreciation. Now, there is no official J- uh, Jason Bateman fan club like there is the Val Kilmer fan cl- fan club that we have here. We have yet to meet for a Val Kilmer movie. So the I hand up, that's our bad. It's going to be tough with social distancing. About Val Kilmer. Do you have maybe 10 seconds for Val Kilmer slander? Um, and then I'm hopping across the table. There's the H.G. Wells novel, The Island of Dr. Monroe. He did a film adaptation with Marlon Brando and was presumably one of the worst people to work with on that movie. Well, I've never seen the movie, so therefore it doesn't exist. It's an awful movie, it's awful. and the stories behind it are hilarious. Just the the production of, of like the... Like, he wouldn't come out of his trailer until Marlon Brando came out of his trailer. Marlon Brando wouldn't come out of his trailer until, until Val, Val Kilmer, Kilmer came oh, out of his trailer. nice. Val Kilmer wanted top dollar for the movie, and they had to go recruit him in Japan, and then he didn't want to work. So they're like, how about we give you a smaller role? And he was like, yes. But then every time 
he would ad lib his lines and create his own lines. And they're like, we thought you wanted a smaller role. And he just like wanted to own every scene that he was in. Uh, the guy was a nightmare. Well, like I said, I didn't see it, so it didn't happen. There'll be no disparaging the Val Kilmer name on my watch. Nor will there be of any Jason Bateman. Oh, yes. Jason Bateman fan club. Down. Unofficially forming soon. All right. Time for another movie review thus far. And the movie that I fell asleep to last night was Mississippi Grind. Oh. What's so funny about that, Frank? It's just the name. What is so it sounds funny like a typical Woodworth movie. Mississippi Grind. I don't know it if sounds, I want to Google this one. It sounds not. like a, per, a promiscuous dance is really what it sounds like. Is it a dancing movie? No. It stars Ryan Reynolds. It's a gambling movie, actually. It's about cards. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, but he is also in uh, Killing Them Softly. It is Ben Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn. He's got an Australian accent. But uh, so what it is is, is these the 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 Australian dude Ben he's he's a struggling gambling addict who owes a lot of people a lot of money and he goes to this poker game, and he's sitting at the table and Ryan Reynolds is sitting at the other side of the table and you know Ryan Reynolds is just kind of like chatting everybody up talking a whole bunch of smack. Well, he drops a name about a big big time card player that they both played cards with, so he ends up buying the guy a whiskey. And then they end up going out drinking later that night and become like best friends, like just basically over this bond of gambling and drinking. And so uh, Reynolds, you don't really know what Ryan Reynolds does. He's just a drifter. And the movie starts out in Iowa. So Ben, the, the Aussie, he is a struggling real estate agent with a gambling problem. Doesn't matter if it's cards, betting on ponies, dogs, whatever. So and then he meets Ryan Reynolds. And for the record, I only made it about 30 minutes into this movie, right? So that's I think that's sub-average. Right on Raya. Again, I was exhausted, man. By the end of the week, it's just we're lucky if we can make it that far into a movie. But so they, they go and they have a grand old time. And then uh, the Aussie is continuing with his life, realizes he hates it. And he had a great time out with Ryan Reynolds. So he goes to find him again, ends up getting stabbed, but runs into Ryan Reynolds again. And then Ryan Reynolds and him go out to another bar. And they end up discussing that they're going to go down to New Orleans and they're going to play cards down in new orleans and they're going to win it big down there but they're also going to hit up a bunch of casinos and places on the way to new orleans from iowa so i fell asleep right at their portion of where they are like there, um, in the middle of this road trip is there a trick to their gambling are they like card counters or are they just they're just good, good. Ga- no that's just they're good gamblers okay. like so they in one scene they go to the greyhound races in iowa because i guess it's big there and Ryan Reynolds bets on a winner that's forty-eight to one. Or bets on a greyhound races. Yes. So the buses. But no, no, no. The dogs. They race the buses. The dog. No, the the racing dogs. So Ryan Reynolds goes, and it's this shows you how ridiculous the movie was. But it, it, this dog has forty-eight to one odds. So Ryan Reynolds goes, and I forget what the number of money that or the amount of money that he puts down on it. But he ends up winning a, a ton. He says, "Yeah, I put down not money to win." So the Aussie dude's just like, oh, like knowing he's got a gambling problem and probably shouldn't be doing this. But he goes, "All right." Put something, or he puts a put a number down on it to uh, to show. So you know, come in, uh, come in third place. Well, it ends up winning, so he still gets money, but yeah. he doesn't get as much as he would have. Forty-eight to one odds. Exactly. He'll get some nice. So and Ryan, but Ryan Reynolds hit it. So that's where he's just like, all right, I'm gonna pal around with Ryan Reynolds, and we're gonna we're gonna go. Like he convinces him to like kind of pay his way to like help him gamble and win this money, uh, despite the fact that he owes so many people back in Iowa money. So I believe this is where I'm saying that I'm going to give it a thumbs up and say that we should keep watching this movie because I believe 
like I said, I fell asleep right as they're taking off on the road, that they're going to get to New Orleans, or maybe they won't get to New Orleans because it's called Mississippi Grind. So maybe they get to somewhere in the south and the past catches up with them and they can't they can't move any further. But I'm sure there's going to be some uh, nefarious activities and there's going to be some swindling on the way down. So I'm I'm intrigued by this movie. It's a, I think it's a good movie. Where was this in the uh, Ryan Reynolds timeline? This movie is because I, I found, 2015. I f- is that like before Deadpool? I don't I don't know actually. That's a good question. Because I found an award and it made me kind of interested in this because he was a big name for a while already. Yep. This was crowned. By the National Board of Review USA is a top ten independent film of twenty fifteen. Really? See, my 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 uh my selection is getting better, is what you're telling me then. But it's it an actually, indie movie that came got out, Ryan Reynolds. It came out before Deadpool. It was actually the movie that he did before Deadpool. So is this like him trying to reinvent himself after being the rom com Green Lantern flub and then he Maybe because because I'll tell you right now, uh, Mississippi Grind, September 25th, 2015 is when it was released. Deadpool 1 was released February 12th, 2016. So he was probably, re- he he was took prob- off, he was probably filming them at around the same yeah. time. But then, yeah, because then you look at what he's been doing after that. It's Life, Once Upon a Deadpool, Deadpool 2, Fast and the Furious present, How- uh, Hobbs and Shaw, Free Guy, The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, The Croods 2. Like, he's just going to be in a... I mean, you know, good on Ryan Reynolds, though. Yeah, he reinvents himself. Good for him. When when was the Green Lantern flop? That was... This was like an early, mid-2000s one. 2011. Oh, okay. Oh, 2010. Safe House is a good movie, too. That was 2012. Yeah, so good on Ryan Reynolds for that. So, I, I could I say I say finish watching the movie. Mississippi Does it have Ryan. a surprise Bateman performance? No, it doesn't, sadly. <laughs> I'm not no. watching it, then. Yeah, That's sorry. kind of a bummer, though. I know. I apologize. That would have been one of the things I would have noticed right away. I'd have been like, Jason Bateman's in this movie? That was actually... I forget what movie I highlighted on here, but it was one of my first discoveries where, like, I was looking through the cast just on Netflix for whatever reason, and I saw some names, and I was just like, no shit, these people are in the movie, huh? And I watched it, and they, like, had just enough of a role to be, like, a, a huge contributing key to the movie, but not completely steal the movie away because of how many people. You know what it was? It was the Bad Batch, and it was with uh, Jim Carrey, Jason, or, uh, Jason Momoa, and uh, and somebody else was in there too. But they were they had roles where it was just like these are stars, but they're complementing the movie so well, and they're not like gra- and hogging the screen time, you know. But that was I, one of those things. Val Kilmer needs to take a lesson from that. Well, book. stop it. You stop <laughs> taking shots at Val Kilmer. Okay, it's not cool. All right, no core questions this week because we're pinched for time, but thank you for putting up with our nonsense. We'll be back uh, next Friday, right? Next Friday. All right. Uh, Probably no Luke appearance. What? I mean, I'm not banking on it. We'll have to see. Get better, Luke. I know you're listening. What do you say, Mike? We we need sports. We need sports back. Please. please. Yeah, I know. I mean, I can go another 20 minutes. Okay, stop. stop, stop, stop. (laughs) I'm ready to talk jerseys again. All right. Uh, We'll be back next Friday. Until next time.